0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Kansas City Royals nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played, and another solid win for your Cleveland Guardians against the Kansas City Royals. I mean, what what a difference a series makes, right? Uh, The Guardians... Really handle Kansas City in this one. I mean, Savali, my God, seven innings pitched, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts on a hundred pitches. He is hard hit. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Man, if you could if you could spend your entire career pitching against the Kansas City Royals, uh, Savali would be in the Hall of Fame. Uh it's a pretty good outing right there. A two-hitter from Aaron Savali. Uh, just absolutely dominant on the night. And he he's from that Corey Kluber school of pitching where he's just so stoic on the mound. No emotion, no reaction. Uh, I mean, he's not like these White Sox pitchers who uh, curse and swear and, and stomp around the mound. And, uh, or maybe I'm just thinking of one in particular uh, no, Savali is literally cool and collective uh, the entire game. He doesn't. He looks like he doesn't even want to talk to anybody, uh, his own teammates. Uh, he just, uh, man, he just was really locked in tonight. So we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into the details of that. Uh, we've got some good questions in the inbox, uh, so uh, made me do a little bit of research before recording tonight. And we're also going to take a look and compare Aaron Savali to Cal Quantrill because they both throw sinker cutter. And why is it working for Savali when it wasn't working for Cal Quantrill? So we will look into that question. So first, what was working for Aaron Savali? Let's just look at the pitching in general. He was battling Daniel Lynch tonight, who went six innings, gives up six hits, three earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, and a home run, a two-run homer given up to Josh Bell on only 73 pitches. He's only hard hit four times, but it's enough. It's enough. The Guardians find ways to score off of him. Going over to the illustrator and looking at the difference between these two, it's really bizarre because Daniel Lynch was in the middle of the plate most of the game, but that's not where the hits came from. I mean, he is throwing that slider right into the middle of the plate. Four-seam fastballs, middle of the plate change ups in the middle of the plate he did he did throw his change up uh, down into his arm side a lot but uh ton of fastballs even curveballs hanging knuckle curves hanging in the middle of the plate but that's not where the Guardians got their hits flipping over to the results uh, it's a lot of inside stuff to uh, some of the right-handed batters uh Bell's home run comes on a high fastball up at the shoulders. Uh, even Miles Straw gets a double from a changeup down at the knees, and Ramirez uh, with a single from down at the knees. So the hits, none of the hits come from the middle of the plate. There's a lot of outs made at the middle of the plate, but it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre for a guy to be literally throwing him down the pipe all game, and yet that's not where your hits come from. All right, but this game is about Aaron Savali, and uh, looking at his pitch chart, classic Savali kind of pitch chart here. Keeping the fastball up, uh, throwing the uh, and then throwing the curveball down. So many curveballs at the knees, so many curveballs right at the bottom of the strike zone. Did a really good job with that tonight, and then uh, hits both sides of the plate with the cutter. And then throws the two-seam sinker to the glove side. So kind of tries to work it back over that outside edge of the plate. So that's kind of where he's locating his pitches. Now what's really fascinating about this, and I told you, he uh, had nine strikeouts on the day, right? Nine strikeouts all on the cutter and the two-seam sinker. A ton of stuff on the outside edge. Uh, six of the nine strikeouts come on the outside edge of the glove side of the plate for Aaron Savali. But, but of those nine strikeouts, six of them were on called strikes. Four times he paints that outside edge. Twice with a cutter. Uh, gets Nick Prado out there with a low cutter. Gets Salvador Perez with a cutter on that outside edge gets, uh, Mikel Garcia with a two-seamer on that outside edge, and, uh, Drew Waters is one that's frankly a little bit off the plate on a one-two count in the third inning, and gets it for a called strike three, uh, there, and then, uh, one sinker right down the middle to Nick Prado on an 0-2 count, I don't know what he was looking at, and then a, uh, kind of an inside cutter, uh, to, uh, and Nick Prado as well, man, Prado really, uh, Struggling in this one. That's three strikeouts looking for Nick Prado in this game. uh, In three different locations. So, cutters to both sides of the plate, and then the sinker down the middle. And he couldn't take the bat off his shoulders. So, uh, six of them come via called strikes. We just, we don't see that that often. Uh, nine strikeouts in total. Going over to the uh, the player breakdown page. Uh, I'm... Not super dominant when it comes to swing and miss. It's a 23% whiff rate. Not bad at all. 11 whiffs on 47 swings. But 23 called strikes. 23 called strikes. Kansas City just was not taking the bat off their shoulders. That's one of the things, one of the reasons that comparing this Kansas City series to that Atlanta series that just happened. Um, it's so interesting to have these two series line up because, I don't think you would get this luxury against Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's taking 23 called strikes. For some reason, Kansas City just had an inability to take the bat off their shoulders in this game. I don't know what they were waiting for. Uh, So it's a 34% CSW total on the day for Savali. He threw the curveball the most. 37 curveballs, 32 cutters, 18 forcing fastballs, mixed in a few sinkers, 12 sinkers, and one slider. Uh, that was followed off. So uh, that was your pitch mix for Savali. So, I mean, just a quality start from him. I'm beyond a quality start. Though. Very, very nice to see him bounce back. Francona had great things to say about him. And we've talked about it on the show. Uh, Savali can be a really, really good, important pitcher for this pitching staff. I wish we could all forget Game 5 against the Yankees. Because if you take that out of the equation... Savali's been really good when healthy, really, really good. So uh, I was like, okay, he throws the sinker-cutter, you know, a bunch. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, As far as total pitches thrown goes, uh, he throws the cutter the most, the curveball, and then the sinker. I was like, what is the difference between Cal Quantrill's cutter-sinker combo and Savali's? So, the first thing I went to was I actually went to their Illustrator pages. And they have a chart here that shows the pitch movement. What is the difference in movement between all the pitches they throw? So, for Cal Quantrill, it's mostly the two-seam sinker, the cutter, the curveball, and the changeup. Yeah, every now and then, he'll mix a split finger in there. Every now and then, he'll mix a a four-seam fastball in there. But basically, four pitches. Maybe the sinker, the split finger would be the fifth pitch. For uh, for Aaron Savali, you're looking at five pitches mostly. There is a splitter that he'll mix in there every now and then, but you're mostly looking at the two seam sinker, the four seam fastball, the cutter. So three different variations on the fastball, and then plenty, a a couple of sliders, and plenty of curveballs. So uh, visually here, Cal Quantrill, everything he throws is bunched together. It's it's all bunched together. Uh, you know, a little bit of movement um, to the left, breaking left around eh, 10, 0 to 12 degrees, basically. It's mostly the change-up and the two-seam sinker. The cutter doesn't really break, and neither does the curveball. They're right around zero. And then everything is from about minus 12 degrees drop To that curveball is around minus 40 degrees of a horizontal break. So everything is kind of grouped together in this upper left quadrant of the chart. And I know it's hard on a podcast and I'm looking at a very visual representation here. But the important thing takeaway here, everything grouped together. I encourage you to go to Baseball Savant and check this out yourself. Uh, Maybe I'll tweet it out, and uh, I haven't tweeted out an episode in a long time. I've been kind of quiet on Twitter. Maybe I'll tweet these images out so people can see what I'm talking about. For Savali, it's a much different picture. Uh, Each pitch has its own zone. Each pitch has distinct movement to it. Uh, Frankly, the break, and we'll go over the exact numbers between the sinker and the cutter, The the sinker has similar movement uh, to Cal Quantrill's, Uh, you know, around minus 20 horizontal break, around minus 12 to 15, uh, or sorry, 12 to 15 horizontal break, around uh, 12, 20 vertical break. Uh, The four-seam fastball stays up a little straighter. Uh, It doesn't have that same vertical break to it. Um, and doesn't come off of the center as much, as much horizontal break. Uh, the cutter has way more, uh, horizontal and vertical break, uh, than Quantrill's does. It breaks way more towards the glove side, uh, almost getting into a horizontal break in that glove side direction of maybe plus eight, 10 degrees. Then the slider has even more drop and more horizontal break to it. So it gets down around the 36 degree, 30 minus 30 degree horizontal vertical break. I'm sorry, I'm getting vertical and horizontal all confused. I'm not helping the situation here. Uh, around minus 30 vertical break and gets over that 12 degree mark, maybe around the 12 to 15 degree mark when it comes to horizontal break. And then the curveball is down at minus 60. When it comes to vertical break. And horizontal you're around minus 12 as well. So every one of those pitches. And even that splitter that he throws every now and then. Has more movement than that two seam sinker does. It moves in that direction. Um, so all six of these pitches have their own unique zone on this chart. Have their own unique movement. Whereas Calquan Trills are all bunched together everything he throws moves very similar to each other and we wonder why he gets hit so much was it like this last year for Cal Quantrill yeah it was pretty much the same thing uh not much of a difference there between 2023 and 2022 so uh going to the actual numbers uh his sinker uh has a vertical drop of 15.9 and a horizontal movement of 12.5. Savali's sinker moves uh, at a vertical drop of 18.7 and horizontal of 13.7. So it moves more. Now, the thing about Savali's sinker is it's been terrible this season. Uh, it's been absolutely hammered. Last year it was not this bad. They're hitting 391 off his sinker with a 609 slugging okay so hasn't really been a super effective pitch but the movement is more the cutter has been the cutter has been a very good pitch for aaron savalli uh and the cutter movement you'll see a big difference here so calquan trills cutter 28 inches of vertical drop 2.8 inches of horizontal movement aaron savalli's 27.9 so very similar when it comes to vertical drop but 4.5 inches of horizontal movement. Much more horizontal movement on that cutter. That's why Cal Quantrill's cutter this year has a plus 3 run value and Aaron Savali's has a minus 8 run value. It's up there with one of the better cutters in baseball. It is marked red here on StatCast, which means it's it's it's. It's a faded red. It's not a deep crimson, uh, but it's it's up there probably in. Uh, and I hate that they when you hover over it, it doesn't tell you. Uh, but probably you're looking in the maybe the 80th percentile or something like that uh, as far as run value goes. So towards the top of the league, and uh, they're hitting uh, off Cal Quantrill off that his cutter. They're hitting 316. They're uh, slugging 3, only slugging 395, so that's not bad, but they're hitting 316 off of it. It's got a 20.8% whiff rate. For Aaron Savali, they're only hitting 225 off his cutter. Uh, it's got a 26.1% whiff rate. So a much, much better pitch. So you can see how that little bit of extra movement makes a big difference for Savali and how having each pitch have its own unique movement profile makes them that much harder to hit. Whereas Cal Quantrill, you pretty much can zone in on where that ball's going. For Savali, you can't, and that curveball it can be devastating the way it breaks. It's he's got actually that is a deep crimson, so his curveball is has some of the best movement in all of baseball. Um. We're talking top percentile there, and uh, it's got a minus two run value right now. Uh, so that's good stuff from Aaron Savali. So I hope that all made sense. I could post the images on Twitter, uh, but I hope that all made sense and you followed along there. The moral of the story: uh, you know, Savali's pitches all move in different directions, move in their own way. Quantrill's don't. So that is a lot about pitching. That is a deep dive on pitching because offensively, this game is pretty simple. There's not much going on offensively. I mean, Savali doesn't even allow a base runner until Bobby Witt Jr. with a hustle double in the fourth inning. Uh, Man, he just took off. He was determined to have a double out there. And uh, Savali, though, strikes out the side in that inning. So the double, the one-out double does nothing. I mean, it's the top of the order, the second time through the lineup, and he strikes out the side around that double. Uh, they'd get another double, a one-out double in the fifth inning, and then uh, they don't have another base runner until a walk in the ninth inning. I mean, they were this game was over in under two hours. They were flying through this game, and the Guardians were helping with that. Uh, they have a really nice rally in the first inning here. It should have been more. It should have been. Uh, but they got one run across at least. in Rosario with a one-out double. Ramirez walks. And then Naylor deliver, delivers a nice, lazy single in the center field. A 93.6 mile per hour exit velocity. 12-degree launch angle. Just a little bloop in the center field. We talked about it with his brother yesterday, how taking his foot off the gas actually helped him pull one down the right field line. Well, this one for Josh here. He, he doesn't try to kill the ball. He just serves it in the center field. And drives in Rosario. Then Bell with a ground out behind him, it creates a weird uh, situation where he's run towards third. You know, Bobby Wood Jr. just misses tagging him. He's kind of stranded there, forced to go towards third base. Towards third base, it forces Ramirez to go home, who's thrown out. Um, so they end up with runners on the corner. It goes as a fielding choice for Josh Bell. You know, I was, a, and then Andres Jimenez pops out to end the threat. I was a little upset after the game Jimenez had to drop him back down in the order behind Bell because Bell's had such bad at-bats, and Jimenez has had such good at-bats lately. I understand he doesn't want to bat the two lefties next to each other against the left-handed starter, but I I wasn't feeling it, and then Bell comes up and hits a monster two-run home run in the fourth inning, so I, I guess Francona made the right call here um 106.8 first pitch of the at bat it's a high fastball and he jumps on it with his chop swing with his kind of half follow through i can't explain josh bell's swing and why it works but when he connects 106.8 mile per hour x velocity 26 degree launch angle 404 feet to the bleachers in left field 30 out of 30 ballparks this thing's a home run. This, by the way, that's following a Josh Naylor single to kick off the inning. So they jump on him for two more runs in the fourth. And then, I mean, things get quiet. Miles Straw also, by the way, with a hustle double uh, following in Bobby Wood Jr.'s footsteps. This one was even more nuts. I mean, Melendez is out there, a converted catcher in left field. He's flat-footed fielding the ball, right, and can't get off a strong throw. And Myles Straw sees it. He sees it coming and hustles in for a double. So I, I give Miles Straw credit there. I I know we we crush the guy in this show sometimes, but hey, I will give him credit for that. Uh, it was a heads up play. Fortunately, Gallagher can't bring him in because Gallagher is basically an, an albatross on offense. He's just there's nothing there. Um, they uh, Jose with a single in the fifth inning, uh, a little infield single before Naylor pops out to end the inning, and then that would be the last base runner. That would be the last base runner until the ninth inning with that one-out walk to Garcia, who's wiped out by a Bobby Wood Jr. double play. Um, So, I mean, flying, flying, sixth, seventh, eighth innings, nobody reaches base. They absolutely fly through the end of this game. So that's why there's just not a lot to talk about offensively. The Guardians do just enough. Three runs on six hits. I guess that's at least efficient that, you know, the guys that were getting on, they were getting them in. Um, so, yeah, uh, MVP on the day for this one. I mean, I'm jumping right to MVP on the day. We got some good questions in the inbox here. It's nice to beat the Royals. It's definitely not the the measuring stick that I'm going to judge the entire season on, but it's really nice to beat the Royals on a nice Friday night in Cleveland. Uh, puts us back to a half game game below 500 oh no, no no puts us back to 500 we are back to a 500 team puts us a half game below the Minnesota Twins who lost tonight uh I'm recording this at midnight uh who lost tonight to the Orioles and they play before us uh tomorrow while you're listening to this probably uh they, they play at two we play at four so there's a chance there's a chance the Guardians could be in first place by the time they're singing take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning stretch right i, I even before then uh before they turn the lineup over the first time uh they could be in first place without having to do much here so uh we'll see if the twins can help us out but i don't want to go you know i don't want to split these last two games I, I going into uh the all-star break a couple of games over 500 would feel a lot better right it wouldn't would give you a little bit of confidence in this team. So let's see if we can finish this thing off and get it done. We should be burying the Kansas City Royals. And, uh, you know, we got the pitching to do it coming up tomorrow. uh, We got Williams. Gavin Williams is going against Singer. Williams still going for his first official Major League win. Uh, And then uh, Bieber is going to finish things off on the Sunday finale against Kansas City, who's TBD right now and who they're starting who knows maybe we'll get a bullpen game out of them or something like that so uh that's who's finishing things up in this kansas city series so uh going over to the emails um we got an email earlier in the day from eric and uh eric said uh didn't didn't say what city he's checking in from but eric said uh This email doesn't have to do with the excellent win over the lowly Royals last night, but I was pursuing baseball reference today and noticed that the pitching, particularly the bullpen, has been so good for the first half of the season. Nick Sandlin is much better than I thought. He has a whip of 0.8 and an ERA plus of 151. Eli Morgan might be the best pitcher on this team with an ERA plus of 244. His overall numbers are actually insane. Stefan has been surprisingly not terrible with a whip of 1.2 and an ERA plus of 161. All in, if I'm interpreting ERA plus correctly, we have 11 above average pitchers, including Karacek and Logan Allen, currently set down. It seems like the pitching, particularly particularly the bullpen, is really the only reason we are anywhere close to 500. Keep up the good work, Eric. Yes, Eric, you are interpreting, interpreting ERA plus correctly. When it's a plus stat, you want to be above 100. That means you're above league average. And I pulled up those numbers too. On a minus stat, you will see minus stats. I think Fangraphs maybe does an ERA minus. In that case, you want to be below 100 for a minus stat. But for the plus stat here, a 244 for Eli Morgan, ERA plus a 244, yeah, is insane. That means he's 144% better than than league average this season. Carrying that 172 ERA in 33 appearances. Um, Yeah, he has been super dominant. Uh, The best strikeout-to-walk ratio as well of uh, the entire pitching staff. Oh, all right, Tristan McKenzie in two appearances. I'm going to call that an outlier. Uh, Oh, you know what? I take that back. Tim Heron has a 383. Okay. Of the regulars, of the regulars, the best strikeout-to-walk ratio goes to Eli Morgan. Um, De Los Santos has been insane with that whip, too. He's got a one, right on the dot, one whip. Uh, So, yeah, it's been some really good stuff from the bullpen guys. And the pitching staff as a whole, you're right. Uh, Cal Quantrill is the only starter of all the regular starters in the rotation right now. And including Logan Allen, who's down there at AAA, who got sent down after his last start. They all have ERA pluses over 100, with uh, Savali actually being the best at 141. Uh, And then Bybee at 125, uh, Allen at 120, Bieber at 114, and Gavin Williams at 111. Obviously small sample size there with only three starts so far. Uh, So yeah, the pitching has been, you know, this is usually something we do during the All-Star break is dive into these numbers and see who's been excelling. And uh, the pitching has been pretty special, pretty special this year. So uh, yeah, good call there, uh, Eric, on checking out those numbers. And you're right, Eli Morgan might might be the best pitcher on this team. You know, it'll be interesting to see the long run what happens with Eli Morgan. Remember a lot of these guys, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steffen, Cody Morris. These guys were starters coming up and got converted into the bullpen because they basically didn't have a role. Zavian Curry too. They just didn't have room in the rotation for him. Sam Henches start, you know, came up as a starter and got moved into the bullpen. So a lot of these guys uh, it'll be interesting to see if a day comes where one of them is ever stretched out again as a starter. You know, I'm thinking Eli Morgan, if he's been this dominant, would they ever consider stretching him back out as a starter? You know, sometimes you don't want to do that. If, if a guy's found his role as a dominant reliever, then let him be that. Uh, so yeah, I I even though Stefan and A have had some some bad outings lately, uh, you know they've they've let a few slip away, right? They've definitely let a few wins slip away. That's why Casse is carrying a one in five record, but uh, twenty four saves. Um, you know they have they've let a few slip away, but I still have a lot of confidence in them. They're still very very good relievers. I mean, Stefan is carrying a two sixty one ERA right now in forty games, so it's still a pretty good pretty good season. Uh, for him so far all right thank you Eric for the email uh Marlon checked in and challenged me with some trade ideas uh first he asked about Jan Gomes and Hunter Renfro and then tacked on the end what about Cody Bellinger um you know the thing about Jan Gomes and Cody Bellinger is uh, Jan Gomes is hitting very well uh you know would be would add something that uh Cam Gallagher is n- clearly not giving you uh, offensively. I just don't know what the temperament is on the north side of Chicago. It feels like the Cubs are in compete mode. It feels like the Cubs are trying to win now. I don't know if I see them as sellers at the deadline, even though they're pretty far back in the division at this point. I just, you know, with the names they've been adding the last few years, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would see them as sellers. They are carrying three catchers, so maybe they would part with one, uh, and Gomes and Bone Na- and uh, Bo Naylor could kind of you know share that catcher role. Uh, it'd be interesting. It definitely I I'd be open to bringing him back because you know it's only going to be for a half a season. Uh, but it's just it depends on what the temperament is in Chicago uh, with the Cubs. I I'm not sure they're going to be selling yet. Yeah, we'll see what happens over the next month. Hunter Renfro was an interesting name. He's over in LA right now with the LA Angels. Uh he's, you know, he's bounced around the league. He's uh he's played for in the last few seasons uh the Angels this season, Milwaukee last year, Boston the year before that, Tampa Bay during the pandemic season and then a few years in San Diego at the beginning of his career. And he does hit for power. Uh, the last few years, 31 home runs in Boston, 29 in Milwaukee. He's already up to 15 home runs this year. The last two seasons, he's carried an over an 800 OPS. This year, he's at 751. Uh, the on base percentage is down a little bit. Uh, the batting average is 249. The on base is at 295, which is that's a little concerning that he is on base has dipped under 300. Uh, for this season compared to the last two seasons where it was at 315. So maybe he can return back to that by the end of the season with a strong second half. It would definitely add power. Uh, He's kind of got, it's interesting as a right-handed hitter, he's kind of got a little bit of reverse splits going on this season. Um, He's hitting uh, off right-handed pitching. He's hitting uh, only 240, but he's got a ton of power. He's slugging 472. He's got uh, 13 home runs off of right handed pitching. Off of left handed pitching, remember, right handed batter, he's hitting 276, so a higher batting average, but only slugging 408. So his OPS is actually less uh, against lefties than it is against righties. Against righties, his OPS plus is 106. Against lefties, its OPS plus is 95. So slightly above average against righties, slightly below against lefties, which is kind of uh, different for his overall career. Uh, overall for his career uh he's a 124 ops plus against lefties and an 89 against right-handed pitching so this year doing it a little bit differently uh it, it is interesting he's uh 31 years old uh, on a one-year contract worth 11.9 million right now so it probably wouldn't be that much money to finish him finish off the contract for the rest of the year. The Angels, again, are they buyers or sellers? Uh, they, they're they kind of in the same boat we're in right now, though they're pretty far back in their division. Uh, Trout and Otani are both dealing with injuries. Does that affect their decisions? So, yeah, Hunter Renfro could be a power-hitting right-handed bat that you could add to this lineup. I actually don't think that's too bad of a pull, Marlon. I, I suspect to the Angels, like we've fleeced the Angels in trades before, I don't think it would take a very high prospect, maybe probably pitcher. They'd probably be looking for some pitching from us. Um, I don't think it would even necessarily need to be someone in the top 10 prospects or anything like that to get a Hunter, a rental Hunter Renfro for uh, two months at the end of the season. So that one is probably your most probable of all the trade ideas you threw out there. So I like it. I appreciate it. Keeping these names, keeping us conscious of some of these names out there. Uh, some trade ideas to just keep an eye and see if any of these guys move as we approach the trade deadline. So thank you, Marlon. And then we got uh, Jeff with a G checked in. Uh, he said, Davey, my son had a baseball game tonight starting around 6 p.m. I was looking forward to getting home and catching the last four or five innings. Well, little did I know Savali would pitch a two-hit gem. I got home, and Class A is closing in the ninth. Uh, you know, Jeff, it's interesting because I've had the opposite experience lately where I was like, ah, I'm missing the start of the game. Okay. I'll catch up. And then they're in a rain delay and they haven't even started the game by the time I get in my car. And I'm like, w-? and then I'm scrolling through Twitter, trying to find a tweet from Mandy Bell or from Zach Meisel, trying to figure out when the heck the game's actually starting. So I've had the opposite experience. Uh, he's an MVP to Aaron Savali, no doubt. Uh, Kudos to Josh Bell for the home run. One hours and 55-minute game. Wow. Back to 500 baseball. Let's get these last two. Did I say it or did I skip over it? Yes, MVP on the day. Just to make sure. (laughs) Just to make sure. MVP on the day is definitely Aaron Savali. And it was a gem. Uh, Yeah, absolute gem from Savali. So uh, you're right, Jeff. Let's go get these last two, and let's wrap up this episode. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I hope I made sense with my whole Cal Quantrill-Aaron Savali comparison. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris to find the images, those two charts I was talking about. Uh, you can uh, email the show cleveland baseball mornings at gmail.com as we approach the trade deadline. I'm open to suggestions, I'm open to ideas. We'll discuss them on the show, although we all know that it's you know it's kind of a fool's errand because they're never going to do what we expect them to do. Uh, we could it's it's like looking at mock drafts, you can look at mock drafts so you're you know so you fall asleep at night, you could scroll through your phone looking at mock drafts doesn't matter they're never going to do what you expect them to do so uh go ahead though it's 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 fun conversation and i'm i'm interested names like hunter renfro i'm interested to hear who you think out there could help this team so uh also i'm hosting this podcast on spotify if you go to the link in the show notes you can leave a voicemail for the show we'll play it back on the air respond to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball so thanks again for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning